Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's show, we are talking to Dan Thompson, the UK MD of Jewel. But before that, hiya Jack. Hello Dave. Um, I don't know whether you saw this or not, but... I didn't watch the Newcastle game last night, no, I didn't. I actually wasn't going to mention it. Oh, okay, alright. Uh, UAE. Uh, United, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Been there. See, did you see them at the... Well, yes. Yeah. Did you see them in the news this week? Uh, 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 no. So they had some gender equality awards. Oh, they all went to men. They I did see this. They all men. Great. I Perfect. genuinely... I saw this on Twitter. Uh, it was an article that was retweeted from The Guardian and I genuinely was like, is this satire? A country governed by Shara law giving all of their gender awards to men. It's not surprising. Well, apparently, in their, def- in their defence, they said in their defence, yeah. the last year they had the same awards and some were won by, won by women. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, Fantastic. Some fucking people, hey. <laughs> Honestly. I, mean, I was like, discussing this and people were like, yeah, but oh, you know, it's their culture. Like, Shut up, we live in a 21st yeah. century. Yeah. Like, that is not no. a good excuse. Inexcusable, it's, it's mental. Yeah. So, so certificates and medals were awarded by Sheikh Mohammed. Medals? Yeah. Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, right, who's the vice president of the UAE and ruler of Dubai. Uh, some of the categories, best government entity supporting gender balance, right. best federal authority supporting gender balance, Best Gender Balance Initiative. I mean, they're all snazzy titles. And do you um, know what? Like, I know balance is key, but they're very much, like, the names of those very much seem to suggest, well, women can try and get up to our level, but they're never going to overtake us. It's funny, right? Because I, I often find myself being like, look, uh, gender equality in uh, the technology space is truly, truly, truly shocking. Mm-hmm. However, you need to involve men in the conversation. Yeah. They've taken that a bit too literally there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just, I, <laughs> it's, 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 it, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. I mean, I can, I can only imagine now like the women in that room that are just looking around going. What women? Well, yeah, let's hope there was some there. I, get- I, I think beacons, beacons of diversity, the UAE and the Politburo of the Chinese uh, People's Party or whatever it's called. <laughs> the one child policy whereby if you have a daughter as your second oh, child, God, they've got no, to throw it in the gutter. No, but, uh, they no, got rid of that, I think, in the end. Their, their, their new uh, central committee or whatever that got elected last year, it's like almost exclusively men over the age of 60. Perfect. That's representative. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, anyway, so calling out, calling out UAE because, yeah. you know... That's not a risky thing to do. Rosie, uh, Rosie has refused. I mean, not that I'd ever want to go back, to be honest, to Dubai, but Rosie's refused to ever go there on holiday. That bad? Yeah. No, no, she just hates the fact that it is governed by, or the way it is governned. And No, no, no. When I say that bad, right? I don't mean as in, is it a horrible place? Because it's a lovely lots place. of people have yeah, said yeah, it's yeah, lovely. Yeah. And yeah. I know a lot of people have been there and think it's a great holiday. Yeah. But equally, um, a few years ago, was on holiday and we met a couple who'd spent a couple of days there as part of their honeymoon. Nice. And they were like, yeah, it's great when you're in the centre of town around the hotels and whatever else. As soon as you go a little bit outside of the beaten touristy tracks... You're in the desert. <laughs> no, well, not even that. But as a, as a woman, they were saying, yeah. you felt out of place, yeah. looked upon and quite uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's a weird place. It's like Las Vegas, but on 
like acid and cocaine pretty much it's mental out there but you know it does make a great place for holidays but as Rosie quite rightly says you know we don't want to be giving our money to a government or a country that treats women as second class citizens getting back to today's interview oh yeah we're here to talk about tech aren't we yes um the UK MD of Juul uh if you don't know who Juul are they are well probably the world's most successful vaping well, you should know if you listen to this show as well, because we've spoken about it before. Well, yeah, we, yeah, might pick, yeah. we, we do pick up new listeners. I know, time. yeah. Not Mike, there's no maybe about that. Um, no, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might pick up... No, Dave, we do. We've looked at the yeah. stats. <laughs> um, look, we're going to try and be balanced about this, because obviously there's a lot of... If you go on Google and you type in Juul or you type in vaping, you see a lot of negative articles, right? Just like AI. It, I've got that in my notes. Well, no, because smoking is bad for your health. And vaping is not as good for your health as simply not smoking. But listen to Dan, because a lot of the articles that you will find online are written about Juul, but this is mm-hmm. a chance for the UK MD of Juul to speak directly. Mm. And he is very honest in the mm. interview. So do listen, do stick with us. Um, and afterwards, myself and Jack will, will mull over some thoughts. And then obviously later in the show, we will also bring a couple of articles to the table. So we're talking to Dan. Dan, you're the UK MD of Juul. Uh, you've been with Juul for how long? Seven months now. Seven months. New to the UK, but Juul is a reasonably established, well, it's very established in the US market, a San Francisco startup that is how many years old now? Well, three years old in its current form. Um, but Juul is the longest overnight success story around. Yep. So Adam and James, who are our founders, both went to Stanford, right? Both went to Stanford and met there in 2003 as part of the MA course on product design, mm-hmm. which is pretty famous on the West Coast for incubating a lot of relatively famous startups. Um, and as the story goes, they met over a cigarette. I don't know if that's entirely true. I know, I know <laughs> It fits that, very neatly. I know that they were both smokers at the time. Right. But they, they looked at the global tobacco industry and they said... It's a trillion dollar a year industry. It's basically the largest consumer goods category on the planet, two times the size of the global mobile phone market. Um, It's got a billion consumers and growing, and it's had zero innovation for a hundred years. They put a filter on in the fifties and that was about it. And it kills one in two people who start using the product. Mm. Um, And they looked at what smoking really was. They were both smokers. They both actually wanted to quit cigarettes. And they saw it was really two things. It was nicotine delivery into the bloodstream. Um, and it was habit and ritual and having something to do with your hands. And they looked at the kind of alternative products that were around, things like patches and gum. And while some of them are okay at delivering the nicotine, they're actually not good at replacing the, um, the ritual and the habit that people have. So they thought there was a better way. They spent 10 years before they happened on the dual product, you know, creating various iterations of e-cigarettes. And I've seen some of the early photos of these and they look terrible, like trombones that <laughs> vaporize uh, liquid. Um, but no, they came up with Juul in, in 2015. Uh, and that's when it launched in the US. Look, I'm not a smoker. And I didn't really know much about vaping prior to talking to you, other than kind of maybe just assuming that it was an alternative for smoking but not much beyond that and no real kind of understanding one way or another whether it was a good thing or not and I was speaking to my wife uh, about this and she was like oh 
why do people vape? It's just another excuse for smoking. And again, had a very negative starting point when talking about vaping. So I suppose for you guys, education is as much a, a, a part of your business strategy as anything because people don't understand a huge amount about vaping versus smoking versus various different health benefits, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, sh- I actually shared your view eight and a half months ago. I'd never heard of Juul. Um, I'm a former smoker and I tried vaping a long time ago um, and I didn't find it a satisfying alternative to cigarettes and I didn't really know the health and the science behind it. Um, it's only when I was researching joining Juul mm. that I actually uncovered the kind of wealth of scientific information. Um, and just to jump in, it's worth pointing out that you smoked for how many years? 20 years. Marlborough, I think. Lucky I'm Strike Blues right. were my favourite. They're quite hard to get hold of. Right. If not, Marlboro Lights. And then oh, both of those are sold out Camel Blues. And you really struggled to stop smoking. Yeah. I mean, I, the first 10 years of when I was smoking, I loved it. I was in my 20s. You think you're invincible at that point in your life. You're not worried about long-term health consequences. Mm. But once I got married and I was in my 30s, um, it was really beginning to distress me. Like I had a lot of control of other areas of my life. Um, and this was the one thing I couldn't kick. And I tried everything. I tried patches, gum. Um, I paid a hypnotist a stupid amount of, of money per hour to you know, wave a wristwatch in front of me. I bought the Alan Carr book in hardback, softback, ebook, audiobook. Like so it's a, not like you didn't try stuff. I mean, I really, and I tried earlier generation e-cigarettes. Like yeah, yeah. The, about 2008, I tried the plastic one that looks like a cigarette. I think it was called Sky Cigs at the time. I tried the little tank devices. I tried everything. And particularly when there were kind of stressful points in my life, I would just always go back to cigarettes. Mm. And um, I'd never heard of Juul eight months ago. Um, they were only available in the US. And So you then had to go through the kind of the, the understanding about what vaping is versus what smoking is. I yes. Guess. And then the, the, the health benefits versus potential risks at that point and get a better understanding yourself yeah so i think i i always had a you know just a layman's view that it's it can't be worse than smoking right like cigarettes are you know rolling a leaf setting it on fire and inhaling smoke just principally if someone's designed an alternative i think it's got to be better right so that was just my ingoing view um and but then when i started doing the research and i actually started looking at well, really, what do the experts say? You know, I found that, you know, Public Health England, which is the body that runs the NHS, says vaping as a category is at least 95% harm reduced versus smoking. Royal College of Physicians, Royal College of GPs, Cancer Research UK, British Heart Foundation, all advocate vaping as an alternative to smoking. Now, no one's saying it's as good as fresh air, and if you don't smoke, don't vape. Um, but I did smoke and I really struggled to quit. And the transformational moment for me was when I actually went out to the States before joining Jewel to go and sample the product. It was the only way I could get hold of the product. Mm. Um, I tried it and it transformed my life. Uh, and I mean that. It, it felt, it replicated the experience of smoking. So you kind of got the little kick on the back of your throat. Um, it replicated the kind of nicotine experience and it replicated the ritual. You know, it's a small device. It's not dissimilar in size to a cigarette. It's portable. It's simple to use. Um, but, you know, without all of the associated harms of carcinogens and tar and carbon monoxide, 
that I was ingesting every time I lit a cigarette. Now you say there that the public health suggested it's 95% better. Smoking in the UK, I think when we first met uh, towards the end of last year, you said that it kills the equivalent of a kind of an easy jet plane per day. Is it about 70? 78,000 people a year are dying as a result right. of smoking and smoking-related diseases, yeah. It was like a 747 dropping out of the sky. Yeah, it was a analogy. big plane every day. If you sum the next nine causes of preventable death in this country, they don't equal smoking. It's right. the biggest public health crisis going on. So why is it that mainstream press and the tabloids don't get on board with vaping? I mean, beyond bad news sells, sells papers, have you got any idea why they're not getting on board? Well, look, more long-term research does need to be done, right? right. Vaping has been around for about a decade. Um, and, you know, we do need studies that look at 10, 20, 30-year integers. Um, but... We already know what the constituents are in a vape liquid, right? Like mm. we can we can analyze these, we can do tox tests, and we know what's in a cigarette, right? Like eighty plus carcinogens, seven thousand chemicals, carbon monoxide, tar. Um, so I think you can even if you don't have long term studies, you can say with some certainty that it's significantly um, improved versus cigarettes. Um, and I think why is this not? filtered out to the the general population yeah i think bad news sells like if, if you can put a headline in that says popcorn lung that's a bit more attention grabbing than there's a long-term you know national health opportunity by switching people in significant numbers from smoking to vaping mm. now look this is a podcast called tech talks yeah. um on the surface when when i first heard about vaping i kind of thought well where's the tech angle mm. but this is a usb stick that plugs into your computer and allows you to charge from there. Uh, and it does look a lot more slimline and, and resembles more of a kind of a cigarette shape than the other vapes that I've seen kind of being sold. How is tech helping you develop the product? Uh, and I only ask that because you gave uh, a couple of, of packs to my colleagues, Ryder and Jack, to trial. And one of the things that they mentioned, very basic thing, was that uh, over the course of a weekend, their, their vape run out of battery. Uh, so that was a very basic <laughs> tech challenge, and I guess it's an early product, but yeah. how, is, how is tech, not just in that basic level, but how is tech, tech helping kind of evolve the, the brand and the company? Well, well let, me, let me address the battery question first. <laughs> it's a personal frustration of mine. Um, I'm a user of the product, obviously, and I always carry two devices around with me because I don't think our battery is, is long enough for you know, people who use it a lot during the day. Um, we're improving that. We've got a new battery coming out in the next couple of months. Um, we're also launching a charging case as well, which will mm. allow consumers to kind of put their jewel into a charging case and, and consequently not run out of battery during the day. Um, in terms of how the, the, the product more broadly is, is influenced by tech, if you've, if you've ever seen a jewel, it just looks like a, a step change in terms of technology versus previous generations of vapes. It's much smaller. It's much simpler to use. It's much cleaner industrial design. Although it's broadly the size of a cigarette, we were very conscious not to replicate the iconography of a cigarette, the shape of a cigarette in the industrial design. We think people who are moving away from combustible cigarettes want to feel that they're moving away and don't want a sort of plastic imitation cigarette. Um, and then we have a lot of tech-enabled components coming. So we will be launching a connected device this year, which will have Bluetooth connectivity to your phone, to an app, 
that will allow you to track your usage over time, set yourself goals in the same way that you know a Fitbit um, to try and re- to reduce do. your usage. Yeah, if yeah. you want to. I mean, we want to empower um, consumers to make their own decisions. We're not mandating that people mm-hmm. reduce their usage or 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 do anything, but we want to give them the tools to do it if that's what they want to do. So I think that's a really exciting development and and will be a first globally for the category. So every single tech-enabled business wants to grow. Yep. I had seen some criticism in press that Jewel had targeted younger audiences. And I kind of, I felt it was possibly a bit disingenuous to say that because it, it would principally seem to be that you had social media accounts, you had an Instagram account. And by their very demographic, you're likely to have a younger audience on those on those channels. So how do you balance the we want to grow as a business and deliver on our mission of eradicating smoking versus also fitting into the modern world and various different channels and, and how you go about that? Yeah, so we have an unbelievable opportunity here. It's a big public health opportunity. And we we need permission to participate in the market. Mm. Um, and there's a billion smokers globally. So that's, that's tons of consumers we want to help uh, and improve their lives. We can't do that if we're seen by regulators or by media to be targeting in any way youth, underage users, or non-nicotine users. We don't want those people within our franchise to be using our product. This is a product that was designed solely to assist adult smokers in getting off combustible cigarettes. Now, with regards to you know, accusations of youth usage, particularly in the United States, we have to hold our hands up. We had, and we continue to have, a problem there. I don't think that problem was driven by our marketing, especially. We did one regrettable campaign in 2015 where we used some models who were in their 20s and it kind of had bright colours. And it could be perceived as, as targeting a younger audience. I don't think an underage audience, but a younger audience. But when you look at how Juul has grown over the last three years, that small-scale marketing campaign does not align to our growth. Our growth happened materially in the second half of 2017 and then transformationally in 2018. That campaign ran for a month or two in 2015. So I don't think the two are linked. The second thing is there's a lot of content that is user-generated that has been ascribed to Juul. Platforms like Facebook, platforms like Instagram, we shut down our, our accounts in the United States. And, and even when we did have accounts, they had very, very small followings. What had larger followings was just people generating their own content and then sharing it. And we have very strong relationships with the likes of Instagram, with the likes of Facebook, actually taking down content um, that users had posted that had nothing to do with Juul, but in which they might be irresponsibly using the Juul product. It's, it's never been our intention to kind of grow this on social. I think we have less than 500 followers in our UK social feeds in total. We only um, uh, uh, post kind of very factual information about the product, about the category. It's really not, it, it's hard to describe it as marketing at all. It does beg an interesting question though, because you mentioned that there's a billion smokers worldwide. I, I spent a lot of childhood holidays in France and you know it just seemed that everybody spoke in France. <laughs> Yeah. Just to be perfectly frank, uh, it's still much more prevalent than it is in the UK. But if you're, if if the normal modes of growth that most businesses have available to them are cut off to you, how do you tackle a country like 
France or Russia, where prior to recording you said there's as many smokers in Russia, but half the popu- sorry, but half the population that the US has. Yeah. So how do you how do you aim to tackle that, grow in those markets, but do it in a way that obviously reflects those values that you were just describing a minute ago? Yeah, I think so. Two principal ways. One is just distribution. Like we just need to be out there. Um, if you take the UK as an example, there's 55,000 places that sell cigarettes currently. We're in 1,500 of them. Um, we've done a deal with Sainsbury's. We're in every Sainsbury's nationally. We want to be in more stores that currently sell cigarettes to offer cigarette smokers the alternative of purchasing a jewel. Um, so that's the first thing, is just to build our distribution network. The second thing we find, and we've seen a lot of evidence this, of this in the US, is that this is a very viral product. And I don't mean that from a social media perspective, but if you're a smoker and smokers tend to hang out together, they're often forced to because you can smoke in so few places. If you're a smoker and you switch to Juul and you're in a smoking area outside this WeWork or you know outside a pub with your friends and you start using a Juul, it just sparks conversation with other smokers. Like strangers will come up to you and say, oh, what's that, why are you using that? And generally people who've switched become evangelists for the product. So random smokers who they meet, they talk to about the product. Certainly their friends and family who smoke, they talk to about the product. And you know, at any one time, something like 70% of smokers want to give up. So you're pushing an open door. These guys have a habit they don't like that's killing them and costing them a ridiculous amount of money because of the very high tobacco duties. So when someone, when someone comes up and says, Here's a harm-reduced alternative that's cheaper. To, to jump in there, sorry, yeah. when you, you, you say it's, 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 it's cheaper. I mean, what kind of price differential are you talking about? I mean, it depends what brand of cigarettes you buy and, mm. and, all the, and where you live uh, regionally within the UK. But broadly, a packet of cigarettes in this country is around a tenner. Mm. Um, and, and a dual pod um, costs £2.50 right. and has roughly the same number of puffs as a packet of cigarettes. An average cigarette has... 11 puffs in a stick, 220 in a pack. And so one pod of, um, one dual pod is about a packet of cigarettes. Right. And so 75% discount versus smoking. Look, very, very last question then. Uh, you've been here not too long, but beginning to kind of get your feet under the, under the table and, and looking at the UK market. What, yep. What's next? Well, I'm a veteran. I've been here seven months. Um, when I joined Jewel in the UK, we had four people in the corner of a WeWork. I think we hired our 58th person last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm a relative veteran, even <laughs> only having been here seven months. Um, what's next? Um, well, international expansion, um, as you mentioned, um, just in the last six months, we've launched in Israel, Canada, Russia, Germany, France, Italy, and Switzerland. Um, and there's more countries to come. And then looking to grow the business and improve the lives of adult smokers in the UK. So new product, new distribution channels, um, and hopefully helping to build the brand so that the 9 million people who are currently smoking in the UK, half of whom will die from their habit, don't have only that future as an option. Well, look, thank you for your time and for kind of opening up a little bit about this, because obviously it is something that can be misreported sometimes. So it's, it's good to kind of hear from yourself what, what, what your thoughts are and uh, good luck for the year ahead. Thanks for having me. Right, before we get into vaping, non-vaping, everything else, hmm. just let's talk about Jewel for a second. Three years old, same market cap value as Ford. Yeah. Worth 30 billion pounds. I think it's something like $36 billion. Wow. Right? 
70% of the US e-cigarette market and about $2 billion worth of sales. In terms of a success story, when Dan says you know, it's the biggest overnight success, three years to yeah. go from like that to market capitalization value of Ford, that is phenomenal. Do, do you know, it, it's what? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what this says to me though? Um, it says to me a lot about smokers and it says to me a lot about the younger generation as well because I know that we'll get onto this in a bit but smokers we are a funny breed of people we know we're killing ourselves and we want to try and save ourselves from our addiction when you say we you're talking about you not me yeah whatever fucking golden child <laughs> um, but you know it, it, Sorry, I'm gonna, at times I might be self-righteous. It's fine, it's fine. I'm used to it by now. Um, within, like you say, we as a, as a, I was going to call smokers a race then. We as a people are we ashamed of ourselves. Yeah, we are, are ashamed of ourselves. We are, and we want to move away from this. Right. And simple as that, we know it's going to kill us. I didn't realise it kills one in two people as well. So, oh, well, look, me or Ryder. <laughs> I need Ryder. No, I need both. You don't. Uh, <laughs> As, as, as Dan said, it's a viral product aside from anything else because 70% of smokers want to quit. They're yeah, pushing it under the door. Yeah, and, you know, voice of mouth has worked really well for this. I mean, I can only tell you that I've recommended to all smoking friends I know. Um, and it is showing that sort of shift in realisation about smoking that... There is an addiction there. There is a problem there. But we are open. And, you know, the growth that they've had over three years proves this. We are open as a people to try alternatives. And as Dan said, in 100 years, the one innovation we've got is filter tips in smoking. Now, I am very much on Dan's side also in that I hate those fucking giant monster vapes that take up a whole hand and leave a cloud of smog behind you. That's not what the jewel is. And the jewel, I've used it, it is the most authentically tasting thing to a cigarette out there. Now, something that I find really interesting. Um, uh, Altria, Altria uh, US tobacco company. Absolutely yep. huge, right? Bought a significant stake in Juul recently. Uh, and Brilliant. that was reported quite negatively. Some people going, well, look, well, hang on. You know, Juul are backed by big giant tobacco. They're evil. Now, my default position on big to giant tobacco is bad, okay? Yeah. But I kind of think, hang on, you're missing, you're missing yeah. some of the picture here, which yeah. is, here's a startup which, whilst it's not as good as not smoking, is demonstrably better than smoking a cigarette, a traditional cigarette. 95%. Has backed yep. big tobacco into a corner yep. and is forcing them to innovate or to adopt uh, change because they recognise that these guys are disrupting their market to such an extent that they need to have skin in the game. What a huge win that is for Jewel. And like, I am of the opinion, and I'm not lumping you in with this, Dave, but righteous writers who will take the negative slant are looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses. People will smoke. It's a trillion dollar year, uh, trillion dollar a year industry. It's gonna happen. We can't get rid of it. Look what happened when they tried to get rid of alcohol in America, prohibition. It didn't fucking work, did it? Now, for the media, you know, we can sit here and slag the media off and, and Murdoch and his merry men of twats all day long. But the point is... I'm quite angry today. Oh, yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a tough week, Dave. Okay. Um, but the, uh, the point being is that this is this this is a positive disruptive alternative to something that's going to kill people. Now, how naive do you have to be to think like, well, let's get rid of it all. Let's no, they shouldn't be this. Just ban tobacco, ban smoking. It's not going to work like that. 
This is a good thing. This is a step in the right direction. Well, interestingly, if you look at what happens in countries where actually they decriminalise drugs and yes. make it a medical concern. Portugal. Portugal's a great example. Your instances of drug-related crimes and deaths go down. And schools and hospitals go up. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, I, I find it an interesting one. I also appreciate that Dan held his hands up. Mm. Um, you know, we continue to have a problem, was his exact phrase, in relation to the fact that in the US there are a lot of teens vaping yeah. who, who weren't smokers. And that is that is a problem, right? How and, do you... And it's just so frustrating, that just, is, though. Just to kind of comment as well, you know, he they also admit that they, they had one regrettable advertising campaign. Fair play. Even that was tenuous, though. Well, no, but they themselves admit that that was regrettable. Um... I went on Google yes. before we sat and decided to talk about this and just typed in Jewel and went on the news stories. First two were overwhelmingly neg- negative. Of course. Third one was actually from the British Heart Foundation. It was their hmm. um, online newsletter called Health Matters. Uh, and in that, they, they say, you look, we would not advise non-smokers to smoke, obviously. Yep, yep, yep. But they also say it is 95% better yep. than a cigarette. So fair enough. There's, mm, you know, backing mm, up what Dan mm. was saying in the interview. They also, though, raised the concern... Could it be a gateway drug? And with the number of young people using Juul, that is a problem that they have to grapple with. I, I don't I agree with that. I can't see it being a gateway no. drug, but I think it's a fair question to ask. And I can see... And, yeah. you know, if you take a stricter view on this, you're more likely to push more young people to smoke. My, my original point, looping no, back you're not to, wrong. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. countries like Portugal, where yeah. you are more liberal and you are more mature about your uh, relationship with narcotics effectively you tend to have better results in society where you get people getting pushing it and and self-righteous and whatever else it doesn't tend to go well that's probably not a very good well-made point but you know yeah no and and and, and sorry just to come back um i do think it's a fair question to 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 ask about is it a gateway drug i'm not saying it is but it's a good question. 100%. And I can see that point of view from someone who hasn't smoked or from someone who hasn't done drugs, right? So from my point of view, someone who has done both, Vic, my boss, if you're listening, I don't do drugs at all anymore. And, but it was always used to be that marijuana was the gateway drug to other drugs, which just is not the case. And vaping... Is, is, is that true? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it, the, the feeling that marijuana gives you, your slightly changed sense of mind, is more akin to being drunk. It's more akin to being tipsy than drunk. Whereas if you want to go out, if you do a bit of weed and you're like on a night out and you're smoking weed, you're not going to have the best night out. That is not, having a spliff will not lead you to think, oh, I need to go get some cocaine. Those two are totally far, the opposite ends of the spectrum. No, I, 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 can, I, can, I can see the point yeah. that I... In, in my experience, it would seem to be that alcohol and cocaine go hand in hand. Yes. I, I can see why, and I'm not saying the unenlightened would say it's a gateway, but for me, I don't know how it could be. Millennials uh, and Gen Zs, we're so obsessed with being uniquely different to our predecessor generations that I almost think that that works in their favour. You know, a jewel is so different from a cigarette and like your dad's vape pen that I actually think people will be happy with that. Here's a question for you. The connected device thing. Yep. You know how much you smoke a day, right? Yep. You don't need an app to tell you how many times you smoke. Do you think that would make a difference? Um, you know I love a, an company in an app yeah. anywhere we go. That, it's kind of like, for me, that bit's kind of like when you do uh, betting and they show you how much money you've spent 
that week on bets and that if you're up or you're down. Now it's a it's a moral it's a moral thing to have right to have that to be able to to do it now it's just you know they're not going to be selling that data to tobacco firms we know that so it's just about almost self-regulation and self-control um but personally i wouldn't see that as an important feature the extra battery life definitely absolutely look i mean look and he carries two round with him Total transparency, listeners. Um, Dan gave me a couple of starter packs for Jack and Ryder to yes. both try. Uh, and one of the pieces of feedback from Ryder was the battery ran out the weekends. He's yeah. like, oh, hang on a minute. How, you know. And then he went back to yeah. his rollies yeah. because... Yeah, exactly he, the same as me. Yeah. I remember being out the first weekend I had it. It was the Arsenal-Liverpool game back in 2018. And I remember, I mean, I was out drinking all day. Let's face it, Arsenal are likely to drive you to... Yeah, yeah. absolutely rinse it. Just like one long drag for 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Um, But yeah, the battery life wasn't good. But they know that. They're they're aware of that, you know. And I think, if anything, uh, the accompanying sort of uh, attachable charge pack will be amazing for them. Mm. Um, It's just how much battery life that also has. Look, well, we are not endorsing vaping. I am if you're a smoker. Right, okay. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. I, as a non-smoker, would tell everyone not to smoke. Yes. You as someone who has smoked, and I have ber- ber- berated you and tried to ridicule you and what... You made me run a fucking half marathon last year to try and quit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you do advocate it. For me, as someone who enjoys smoking and as someone who is in their 20s and invincible, as Dan was as well... Jack, um, look at you. You are not invincible. No, I know. I'm tiny. Uh, but... I would wholeheartedly say that this is the best alternative to smoking there is, other than giving up. Okay. And I don't think that's, there's anything fairer than that. One thing I will say to Jewel is they need to release lower nicotine pods. The nicotine pods that we were given, very high in nicotine content, like higher than any other nicotine style vape you can get. Okay. That's why I loved it so much, because it's so high in nicotine to begin with. We need to see lighter versions of that. Other than that, I'm on board. Well, there we go. We'll go to our advert break. Stick with the show. We'll have some news articles for you after this message. So, Jack, are you getting over the January blues? Have you got New Year's resolutions? Uh, no to both. Well, two books that might be able to help you come up with some, some targets for the new year. Yeah. The Art of Life Admin by Elizabeth Emmons. Okay. Available on Audible. That's a new release. And The World's Fittest Book by Ross Edgley. Uh, the cover of which will shame you into the gym. It's a very good really? man. Ah, uh, they might have used an old stock photo of me for that then. I don't think so. Ew. He's about three jacks wide. Wow. Yeah, but they're new releases on Audible that might help you ease into the new year in a positive frame of mind. I'll give them a go. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Who is going first? It's my turn this week. Oh, all right, okay. This week, this show, yeah. Um, I obviously haven't read this article, but Facebook has been paying teens $20 a month for total access to their phone activity. This is an article in The Verge written by Casey Newton, at Casey Newton, who I think I've stolen from before. Uh, So Facebook has run a program to collect intimate user data from paid volunteers for the past three years, according to a new report. TechCrunch reported that the company... Sorry, paid volunteers? Yeah. I know that's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah. Um, TechCrunch reported that the company has been paying people 
ages 13 to 25 as much as $20 a month in exchange for installing an app called Facebook Research on iOS or Android, which monitors their phone and web activity and sends it back to Facebook immediately. Everyone listening, your data is worth more than $20 a month. Jesus wept. You're underselling yourselves. Facebook, you are a monster, but they're going to pay you to do it and you're stupid enough to let them. Well, I think there's that, there's that education piece, isn't there, yep. around, around the value of your data. Most people kind of use these apps for free. They don't think anything of yep. it. They don't. And so when someone goes, well, we'll give you $20 for this thing that you get for free. Oh, $20. brilliant. Yeah, wow. Yeah, fantastic. It's worth so much more. It's interesting because um, I saw something similar where they were talking about, uh, oh, just imagine if, 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 if it turned out that... Uh, the tech giants were eavesdropping on all of your phone calls and everything else. And they are. Well, no. The point. The point the article made was actually they're not because they don't need to. Oh yeah, because they, they can see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, many yeah, different yeah, angles yeah, yeah. that actually. Yeah. You know, from what you like, what you you know, what you listen to, what, what you, you click on. Yeah. What you do on the internet is arguably the best representation and most honest representation of yourself. I always find it incredible that you know people are so naive around oh, well, I wouldn't want to use that particular service because they might collect my data. It's like, what, you don't think they've already got it? Yeah, were you using Google Chrome? Oh. Uh. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a fair comment there about it's a bit worrying that people don't understand the value of their data. Yeah, they don't appreciate just how much it's worth. Facebook has been asked about this and they uh, did not immediately respond to a request to comment. I'd love someone to tell, tell us how much the... How much the average person's data is worth per year in 2019? That'd be really interesting. Yeah, you know, that would. The amount of time that you spend, like the average person in the UK that uses screen time X percentage, what is the average worth of that person's data? That'd be fantastic to know. You got to get out there and meet someone that can tell you that. Well, look, if you're listening to yeah. the show, get in touch. Tell us. We have an Instagram. Sorry, I don't know why I'm going to direct you to Instagram. Straight That's on the Instagram. The least, yeah. the least good place to go. Let's go to Twitter. <laughs> yes. Right? That's, um, that's at tech double underscore talks. Mm -hmm. Get in touch with us. Tell us, what is the average value of uh, a user's data a in the UK? Typical user's data, exactly. That's what we want to know. Uh, and how much are, are Facebook underselling people? It's certainly, certainly worth more than $240 a year, if you ask me. I have an article um, that I think you may find interesting. Go on. I hope you find interesting. If not, this is going to be a really exciting show. <sighs> I can't wait for Netflix on mobile games is the title of this. Okay. All right. So this is written... Um, is this a Bandersnatch thing or is it an actual game? No, no, no. no. Right. Uh, so this is on the next web. Okay. I'll Big up, Jesse. It's not by Jesse, but it is on the next web. So, I'm chuffed about today's news from Cheddar's Alex Heath, who reports that Apple is building a game subscription service. I have heard about right. this. Details are pretty scant right now. All we know is that you'll be able to pay a monthly fee to access a bundle of titles, a la Netflix. The report doesn't specify, but it's almost certainly going to be for iOS rather than macOS. The former has way more games, significantly larger user base, and I can't wait. Apple is believed to be interested in this model because it offers developers and premium games, sorry, developers of premium games arguably a better way to ensure revenue than outright purchases in the current gaming market. Yeah. That means better quality gaming for discerning players uh, with a mode of payment that more people can get on board with. It goes on to talk about the fact that um, if, you, if you're a fan of single player titles rather than multiplayer ones, 
that actually it'll cater for you very, very well. Now, are we talking about the just games you find in the App Store? Are we talking about your GTAs, your FIFAs, your Witcher, games like that? Because um, it would say to me, if it's solely for phone, it would be very much the games that are in the App Store. I, I don't know. And I yeah. don't, and if I'm perfectly honest, I, I don't know whether that's necessarily the interesting thing. If you read down the article, it goes on to say that their new venture comes at a time when several of the major tech companies and gaming publishers are working on way to stream titles to your device, right? In the long term, if you can stream to your device, phones are only going to get better. Mm -hmm. With 5G, mm -hmm. we know that the capability for possibly... MMO style games anyway is going to get better. You, you've already got things like Fortnite on phones. Um, if people are streaming games directly to their phone from like an Apple gaming subscription service, how badly is that going to disrupt the likes of yeah. Xbox One, you know, Microsoft, PlayStation, yeah. So, so Sony, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, had, they, the consoles have had on the high-end gaming market a stranglehold for what two decades. The only thing they will always have in their in their corner. I hate playing proper games on my phone because A, I'm going to get smudges all over my screen and B, it's not as easy as holding a controller. It just isn't. Right, 5G Yeah. with Plug -in controller. a fo foldable phone that can fold out to tablet size. Yeah, and also you get and the... And Bluetooth controller to it. No, you get Apple Ear Controller or like AirPods, but for a controller. Problem solved. There Don't you go. Don't consoles anymore. Foldable phone to make your screen bigger. We know they're coming this year because yep. CES were all over it. And then, yeah, you need the IoT, you need the plugins, you need the headphones, I, I the, think, con the hand controller. I think, this, I think this is a really interestingly timed development with 5G coming. Yeah, and it, you know, Xbox and PlayStation need to be disrupted. They're getting away with charging more and more each year for games, more and more for subscription. You know, it's becoming a very convoluted marketplace in that the Xbox, I play Xbox, not daily, but I'm on it. The marketplace for Xbox is a mess. Like you can get old games, new games, rent films, do this. It's just an absolute mess. I also, think, I also think you'll, you'll get a much bigger uptake of casual games, right? So yeah. for example, I won't go out and buy a console. No. I have a PlayStation 2 as far as consoles go. Still got oh, Pro no. Evo on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I also have a SNES. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Original Mario Kart. Yeah. And Lily Hammer 92. Uh, <laughs> which is awful, but quite funny. Oh, and the original Star Fox. Oh. Yeah. Um, anyway, di digressing massively. So you are a nerd as well then? I'm a massive nerd. There you go. I bought Star Trek Fact Files as a teenager. Oh yeah, fucking yeah. hell. I'm and your nerd. biggest crush was Gillian Anderson from X-Files. Yeah. Yeah, you are, you're a fully nerd. Yeah, I'm nerd. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but I wouldn't go out and buy a console. Yeah. Would I subscribe to a service as a casual gamer? Yeah, I probably would. What we're we talking, sort of, when I mean, we don't know, about £8 a month, oh, all the, the games Netflix you want? roughly that. So yeah, yeah you, you can see that kind of coming. I mean, it's really interesting because obviously we've had a Zoomy uh, yeah. in the past, which isn't that model but kind of is it's it's like a netflix with educational yeah, games aimed yeah. at making kids ready for the digital world so. and um ah oh, i'm gonna forget her name now but tech will save us doing loads of good um kids toys with tech M minecraft yeah, was yeah. the best one i mean i'm not saying that this has wonderful benefits of teaching kids good educational stuff obviously not but there are other models out there that deliver similar things but obviously at the minute i, I guess uh, the ability to stream the kind of games that you would want, yes. pointing my finger at you, Jack, yes. rather than something that's educational for a kid, yeah. that, you know, that doesn't have to be particularly super duper. Mm -hmm. 
great use of the phrase super duper. Super duper. Um, yeah, it kind of unlocks real possibilities there. And I just, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how that develops over the next year. Absolutely. I'm excited to see. Mm. Anyway, um, that brings us to the end of today's show. Where are we uh, off to now, tonight, Thursday? Come and join us for <laughs> Tech Talks Live. We'll be on stage in about an hour by the time we've heard this. No, 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 this, this show's going out at 11 o'clock. Right. So, you know, people have got maybe seven hours to sign up. Yeah. Uh, we've got capacity for 100. Uh, we've got about 120 signed up. Not everyone shows up. So, well, we've, we've, we, I reckon we've got about 60, 70 people coming tomorrow night. So there's still space for you to come if you want to come. Westworks, it's a two-minute walk from White City. No excuse. You know what? It's cold. But we've got pizza, good, good humour, good content, great company. And me. And Jack. <laughs> good content. Yep, not me. Good humour. Definitely not me. Yeah, I'll be there though. You should come. You should come. come. Yeah. Listener, listening to us now. Um, uh, until uh, well until later when we see you we'd love to meet you oh come along please but otherwise we'll talk to you next week bye bye